Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome to Episode 77 of Channel Journeys. This is your host and channel geek, Rob Spee. Thank you for listening. I'm just back from Channel Focus out in California. What a fantastic event. There was a ton of discussion around all the changes taking place in the channel. And beyond all the great content, it was even more fun just to see everyone live and in person again. Got a chance to reconnect with a lot of my former podcast guests. It was kind of like a college homecoming event with Rod Bapti, uh, the host of the show, Gary Morris, Laz Gonzalez, Taylor McDonald, Heather Margolis, Ryan Walsh, Sandra Glazer-Cheek, Rob Ray, Steve Stewart, Frank Rausch, Larry Walsh, Mark Monday, and Jeff McCullough, all former podcast guests that I got to see again live and in person. So great seeing all of you guys and great seeing everyone else there at the show. I made some new channel friends, too, who will be joining me on upcoming episodes, so I'm really looking forward to those conversations. A big shout-out and thank you to my sponsor, Allbound. Allbound is a world-leading partner portal that is super fast to set up. Allbound gives you an easy way to collaborate with your partners on co-marketing and co-selling, and they have best-in-class reviews for automating the training of your partners, helping to manage deals, and engaging partners in all aspects of their life cycle. Check them out at allbound.com. And if you missed the last episode with their CEO, Daniel Graf Radford, be sure to check it out. We talk about a fascinating study they did on portal users and what drives success. Well, this week, I have a great guest, a new channel friend of mine, who was a channel leader with an adventurous spirit. Allie Mertlow is the director of national channel sales at Dialpad, and she just won the Hustle Award for the top national channel person during the Avant Special Forces event. So congratulations, Allie. And Dialpad is driving explosive channel growth with channel bookings growing over 150% year over year. And to manage and continue this growth, they've had to expand their channel team and they've grown it over 400%. Incredible. This is a, a really great episode where we dive into the makeup of their channel team, where they're adding people, how they find them, and what these folks are doing to continue driving channel growth. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, Allie, good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Great to have you here today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. So where do we find you today? I am home in Chicago. Home in Chicago. Is that where you grew up? No, I actually, I was born in DC and then grew up in London, England, and then Indiana, and now Chicago for the last decade almost. Well, that sounds interesting. We might have to touch on that a little bit later. Yes. <laughs> when we talk about your channel journey. Very cool. All right. So you're at Dialpad. And tell us a little bit about your position and what you do there. Yeah. So I joined Dialpad almost a year ago. I started out as a national channel director responsible for managing a handful of our master agent relationships. And since then, my role has actually evolved. And I've now, I now lead a team of national channel managers who are responsible for our master agent and strategic partner relationships. So because of our immense growth over this last year, we were able to expand and, and grow out that national team. So that's what I'm doing here now. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's an exciting time. 
Very cool. So before we get into that growth, that's something I want to talk about and what you're doing to, to capture that growth. What does your partner ecosystem look like today? And are, is it expanding? Are you looking to evolve that? Yeah. So we're heavily focused right now on the master agents and a lot of our growth. You know, we've, we've signed, I think last year was focused on signing all of those key partners and getting those partnerships onboarded and, and moving. Uh, and now we're focused on just increasing our engagement with the partners that are bringing all of their business through those master agents. So we've done that by adding a lot of channel resources. So marketing resources, channel engineering team members. We've increased our regional channel team. And then our inside channel team has is newly built out as well. Do you only then have the agent model or do you also have a reseller model? We So we do have um, a separate arm, right? A biz dev segment that handles a lot of our technology partnerships. And we do have some co-sell and resell motions with, with those partners as well. Okay. But your primary motion and everything you're responsible is that master agent agent model. Okay. Very good. So you guys have gone through a lot of growth. I was reading your press release. Can you tell us a little, share with the audience a little bit more about that growth that you're seeing, both in terms of your channel business, as well as the team growth? Yeah. So the channel team has grown uh, by 400% year over year. So we have seen tremendous growth in terms of the number of people on our team, but then we also have grown significantly just in, within the business. So Dialpad's channel represented 57% of overall sales in Q2. And uh, that was a 151% increase compared to Q2 last year in sales. And then in mid-market and enterprise, we've seen big upticks too, in a large part to the focus on channel, right? It's allowed us to move up market. So in Q2, we saw growth in mid-market by about 30%, and then in enterprise at about 125%. Wow. What can you attribute that growth to? That's massive channel growth just year over year. Is that... I'll let you answer. What do you think is driving that? I think it's a lot of things. I think COVID obviously accelerated the hybrid workforce and that shift. And then contact center became a really key driver for our growth as well. So our call minutes increased 49% year over year. And then at the start of the pandemic, from February to March in 2020, our call usage increased by 77%, and then an additional 20% the following month. So the pandemic certainly shifted and accelerated things. And then on top of that, the industry itself is really shifting into this need for consolidation. And so us having both a UCAS and a CCAS solution in one single platform became really attractive to a lot of the users looking for that, that single solution. And then, of course, on top of that, we've tremendously grown the channel team and been able to really expand nationally and expand our reach in general in the channel community with that larger team now. So maybe we should just tell the audience a little bit about Dialpad and what they do in case they're not familiar. You guys, I saw another press release, you recently consolidated all your products into one platform. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. So with our new rollouts of the meeting solution, we reached uh, what we call internally the state of Pangea. So Dialpad is a cloud communications platform. We offer voice, video, messaging, meeting, contact center, and it's all seamlessly integrated, like you said, and into that single pane of glass, uh, single admin portal. 
and it's able to be used across any device anywhere. And then we have threaded artificial intelligence throughout our entire platform so that our users are really able to capture the most out of every interaction that they're having and make better business decisions based off of that data that they're getting from those conversations. And so you're able to compete against and replace multiple products like what people might be doing with Slack and Gong and Zoom. You roll it all into one. Exactly. Yeah. And we've that's really been our goal since the creation of Dialpad, you know, 10 years ago. Our when our founders started the company, their background was actually in consumer communications. So it really gave us an advantage in business communications because I think very few organizations offering business communications are focusing on the end user experience. Whereas like we have really always focused and taken the opposite approach of that. And we're striving constantly to make sure our product is really easy for the end users to use in their work life. Yeah. So to achieve that growth, what was the growth like in your partner ecosystem? Did you see a, you know, 100, 200% growth in just the number of partners that you're selling through or selling with? Yeah. Oh God. I don't know the exact percentage in the number of partners, but I know it's close to the thousands uh, in terms of of the partners that we're working with today. And yeah, yeah. It's just, (laughs) it's been a land grab this last year uh, with with the shift, right? With COVID and, and not being able to do events. We had to really get creative too around how we approached the partnerships we're managing and how do we stay top of mind with those partners when we can't necessarily be with them in person. Yeah. Well, I want to dive into the team growth because I thought that was very interesting. You and I were chatting earlier, and it's a topic that we really haven't dove into, I think, on channel journeys. And all of us as channel chiefs, you know, we occasionally have to add people to our team or we have to build a team. Sometimes we have to build it super aggressively. And that's what you guys did. I mean, just enormous growth. So for starters, can you share like the numbers of how many people were on the team before just a year ago and how many you have now? Yeah, I think we had under 10 people on the channel team (laughs) a year at the start of 2020. And now we are, you know, at over 40. So yeah, over 4x growth. (laughs) That is huge. And so you came in and you've built a team of folks, right? And so what is the organization? What different groups or teams do you have at Dialpad? Yeah, great question. So we have our, Mike Kane, our SVP of Global Channel. He's uh, been with the company now almost a little over four years. He was the channel employee number one and really the one responsible for building this you know, wonderful model out. And then we have uh, my team, which is the national channel team responsible for the master agent relationships. We then have the RCM team, which are the regional channel managers. And we have 13 of those across the nation. And then we have the PAM or partner account management team, and they align one-to-one actually with each of our RCMs. And they're, they're like the inside channel managers across the nation as well. So you got PAMs that are the inside guys. You got the RCMs that manage the agents themselves. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So they actually, we shifted when we rolled out this model, we shifted to a top 40 approach because I, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this as well. I've been at other organizations and you see these regional channel managers trying to juggle 300 partners in their patch. And it's incredibly difficult to really get strategic with any of them when you're constantly dealing with the day-to-day of 300 partners. So when we rolled out this new model, we rolled out also a top 40 
model with the RCMs. So each one of them now at you know the start of every quarter sets their top 40 partner list. And those are the partners that they have chosen that they want to be strategic with in that quarter and moving forward. And then the, the PAM team really takes on the rest of those partners and is focused on recruiting, enabling, onboarding, and really getting those up and running so that the RCMs can then, you know, move them into the top 40 one day. Right. Did you set like certain criteria or is it more subjective of who's going to be in that top 40? You know, is there a minimum bar to get in? Great question. We just started it and so much of our team was brand new that it really was more subjective to start. And now that we're, you know, getting settled and getting a better feel for each region and the partners and the personalities, I think it's going to become more data-driven now moving forward. What is it? So for the partners that are in that top 40, it's more subjective. Are there partners who are saying, hey, I want to get in that top 40? How come, you know, I, I maybe I lost that channel manager that I want. Now I've got a PAM, but I want to have that channel manager back again. Are you having any of those kind of conversations? You know, I think because the teams work so well together, there really hasn't been any friction of that sort. Maybe that's not to say it's not going to happen. But, you know, I think in those instances where we know we're about to level someone up or vice versa, you bring the other person in, whether it's the RCM or it's the PAM, so that they kind of start to operate really as a regional team for the partner. And that's how we kind of combat that so that nobody really feels like, you know, they're getting left out because they have a team that is tied to them. And that team, did you say you have one PAM, the inside channel manager per RCM or the field channel manager? Correct. Yeah. One to one. Okay. That's interesting. And what, what made you come to that model? You know, the one to one relationship? Yeah, this was really Mike Kane's, our SVP of Global Channel, his idea. And he actually started it out with a pilot program of channel development representatives. So kind of like BDRs, but, but for the channel. And he was able to prove out that model and that was really heavily focused on recruiting new partners into our program and not signing them direct necessarily, but recruiting them and bringing them in under you know, a master agent. And once we like, proved out that CDR model, then we were able to make the case that we should have these one-to-one PAMs. And also, you know, it's, it's a lot of competitive intel too. What are our competitors doing? How are they structured? How are they you know, having success? And taking all of that and making you know, a winning program from there. Right. Now your team, so you have a team of folks managing the master agents themselves, right? And is that one-to-one, like one person per master agent or how many can they cover? I hope one day we can get there. I'm pretty confident we'll see the growth and, and get there one day. Uh, but right now, yeah, it's how we've done it is we've kind of broken them out based on revenue and bookings, you know, with us as it stands today, so that each person on the team does have a couple or, you know, three master agents that they're responsible for, but they all are managing about the same amount in booking so that they're not both getting, you know, two partners that are booking the most. So we're trying to like even the workload out so that each of them has enough bandwidth to manage the relationship that they're responsible for. Gotcha. And we're talking just North America. Is that right? Yes. For all these teams. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the global stuff does run under as well. But in terms of the channel growth that we've had, it's, you know, much more significant in North America. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, good. So how do you go about growing a team that quickly? I mean, just recruiting alone, you know, I've built teams and and especially in today's environment, it can take you six months just to find one person, let alone grow your team as much as you guys did. Yeah. (laughs) It's the beauty of the channel. Even our recruiters say it, you know, like it's just once a partner or a handful of partners hears that there's an opening, they know of, you know, a hundred channel managers in the field that are looking to make a move and send them our way. So it's again, it's it's the beauty of the channel and just having that really tight knit network of people and partners that you trust to make recommendations on who might be a good fit when you're looking to hire. And that's been a tremendous help when it comes to the hiring process. For the PAMs, the inside channel managers, what level of experience are you looking for? Oh, good question. I think... I'm like thinking of our team now. I would say a lot of them have at least five years of some kind of sales experience, but not necessarily channel. Okay, good. What type of onboarding do you have to do then? You know, we talk a lot about partner onboarding, but when you're growing a team quickly, I imagine just, you know, new hire onboarding and quickly ramping up their channel skills is, has got to be a challenge. Yeah, I actually... I think Dialpad has one of the best onboarding programs I have ever personally been a part of. It's really something else. It's incredibly detail-oriented. There are portions of it that do speak specifically to the channel to make sure you know the team understands what's going on, like the channel, new channel members coming on understand what's going on, but also that like the sales reps coming on board understand the channel too, which is just as equally important. So I would say our onboarding process is incredibly tight. We do have members of our channel team in those onboarding sessions as well, making sure that we are you know, sending down the correct messaging. And then I know our PAM leadership. So we have an East manager and a West manager for our PAM teams. And each of them do either weekly or, or biweekly learning sessions. Or the team, just to teach them, you know, about channel, the ins and outs and how, how it operates, but then also just about the industry in general, right? Because some of these people might be new to UCAS and CCAS as well. So we do try to keep those learning sessions pretty frequent since uh, the organization is moving at, at a rapid pace. And is that all done internally or do you have any outside parties or outside sources of, of training for that? That is, I mean, mostly done internally, but I I will say the company is quite good at bringing in outside sources for various different types of trainings as well. Uh, Any of that for channel training or is it more industry technology stuff? Uh, It's more industry technology stuff. Like we just went through one that was actually around motivational intelligence and, you know, really all around leadership and how do you motivate your your team members, which does apply a lot to also working with partners, right? And how are your partners motivated? So that's kind of been the focus as of late. Gotcha. Gotcha. What about on the partner side then? If you're recruiting a ton of new partners, what does your partner onboarding look like? Yeah. Great question. So we have rolled out a new partner success portal. It was actually launched in March of 2021. And that was really created to provide resources and tools to help our you know, agent partners grow their UCAS, CCAS, and, and collab business with us. 
so we have that rolled out. We have helped as well with from a marketing standpoint. So we've got new marketing team members that have added a lot of resources and value to our team. So we are able to offer partners things like um, campaign, email campaigns, webinars in a box. We can do joint marketing events with them. And then of course, there are onboarding trainings that we arm the partners with. So we basically give them the dial pad backstory. And then after they understand the dial pad story and, and the basics, we then get them on the line with one of our, our channel SEs to do a full demo. And then from there, we do offer free demo licenses to all of our partners as well, so that they can actually get their hands on the product and, and use it themselves before they go and uh, pitch it to their customers. How involved are your agents, your channel in the sales process? Are they are they co-selling with your direct sellers? Or are they they doing it all on their own? How much of a role do they play? It really depends. Some are incredibly involved and will do the discovery call in advance and send us all the info. And the next step is just getting on the call with the customer and our sales team and our engineers. And then there are other cases where... We've actually had a few sizable wins this year where they were a net new customer to all parties involved. So a good example was we did a kind of thought leadership webinar that was customer facing with a partner and the customer reached out directly to us after the webinar. We pulled the partner back in, obviously, and then we really worked with the partner on the sales cycle, but because it was a net new customer to the partner as well, they really let Dialpad kind of run the sales process the way we we do best and took it kind of with us down that process. And then we, we were able to win the deal together. So it's, it really depends on the agent and, and their model and, and we pivot accordingly. Does the partner um, compensation change at all depending on how involved they are? No, absolutely not. We're completely comp neutral. It's it's the same either way. Okay. And then in your model, any are there any post-sales services that that your partners might do? Yeah, so we're actually working on getting a certification program actually rolled out for implementation and deployment for our partners. So that's something that's in the works and hopefully coming soon. So that they can start doing those services. Yes, should they want to. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. All right, so What's been your biggest challenge, do you think, from a team perspective in, in this rapid, rapid growth? Oh, I think it's just like, it's just kind of keeping up with everything, you know, stopping and doing data checks every now and then and making sure that we're aware of where the key growth areas are and where there's room for improvement and just making sure that we're all communicating effectively. One thing I say, I'll say, I think we've done really well throughout this growth is that we've actually gotten we've aligned even tighter with the sales team than we were before. Like when, when I came in almost a year ago, uh, it was a very, you know, channel and sales friendly organization. And, and now it's even more so with this growth. So it's actually, I think because of all of the growth we've had on the channel team, there's been no option but to over communicate almost with sales in everything that we're doing. And it's just this constant feedback loop between the two departments to ensure that we're working together to reach the level of success that, you know, we're all striving for. It, what do what your goals look like? You know, if you look out the next year, is it to continue growing, not just channel sales, but like, are you looking at partner originated the, you know, these, these agents sourcing the deals and continuing to grow that percentage? 
Yeah, yeah. So we're measuring a number of things, right? We want to, we're measuring deal registrations, pipeline, bookings, number of active partners versus engaged. So we want to see the deal registrations continue to, you know, move up into the right. We want to continue to grow our pipeline every quarter and we want to increase conversion rates. So that's a big focus is increasing those conversion rates and, and getting more wins from that pipeline that we're sourcing. We are also want to increase the number of agents closing deals with us. And then we want to see repeatable wins from those agents as well. So we, you know, we're tracking like whether or not it's a one and done, or if we're having repeated wins with these partners. So those are all some of the things that we're looking at and, and watching as we continue to grow. That makes sense. I have not worked in the agent model before. I'm curious, do you ever invite your partners in to sell, like invite them to a deal, or do they only get engaged when they're sourcing it? No, there's certainly instances where we will invite a partner in, especially if they have, if they have a really strong relationship Certainly, like that's always something that is on the table and, and we're open to talking to. You know, there's lots of cases too where our our reps will have, you know, named accounts that they're trying to go after and, and we'll work with partners on account mapping to see if they have relationships with any of those accounts. And if they do, let, let's work together to try and get into those accounts. Okay. So that's no different than a traditional channel of what we think of, of account mapping and leveraging all their relationships that they have. Correct. Do you leverage that too? Like, how do you get a new partner that you've signed up activated? You know, um, they might be bringing one deal to the to the table. Perhaps that's why they contacted you or wanted to sign up. But how do you really get them activated as a as a repeatable seller? I think it's making sure that they understand. What, first of all, what we do, the support and and the deep bench that they have behind them from a channel perspective, making sure that they're comfortable selling with us getting them aligned with the sales team is a, is a big part. And then using the product themselves. The product is really slick and allowing them to use it themselves really gives them a good insight into the best way to talk about it to their, their users. And then again, we help with from a marketing standpoint too. So if they want to host an event and invite like 25 of their customers, um, and it's a CIO event, that's great. We'll come, we'll support, we'll bring our CEO in to speak and and meet with all of your customers. And uh, typically those types of events produce a a decent amount of return as well. So it's a lot of targeted marketing initiatives, making sure they understand the product. All right. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about the, you know, having an online platform, which is, you know, COVID has has driven the virtual world, but are you guys as, as terms of channel events and customer events returning to, to live events yet? Yes. Yeah, we are. I think that everyone kind of started to get a little video fatigue in the channel. And uh, it, it seems, you know, there's still some events that certainly were postponed in, in certain regions, and that makes complete sense. But we are, we're getting out and about there. And, and we've been at a, a number of recent conferences, and we will be at channel partners coming up here in the next couple of weeks as well. So uh, we are back out there doing the, the in-person events and uh, all that. Good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah, I know we're all getting a bit of video burnout and, and eager to get back out there face-to-face. I know I am too. All right. Awesome. Well, Ali, could we jump to your channel journey? You mentioned growing up in London. That sounds pretty interesting. What, what was that like? 
Oh, it was awesome. You know, I I joke that my parents really failed me though, because I don't have an accent. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I did, but uh, it was great. I I was the kid of two engineers. And so uh, they got relocated over there for for their jobs. And I had the opportunity to to live in Surrey uh, and go to school there. And it it was um, wonderful. I love London. I love the history. I go back there any chance I can get. My wife and I, just after we got married, um, were expats in London for about two years. No way. Yeah, it was fantastic. We loved it over there. It's awesome. I mean, you don't, I can't find a pub in the United States like I can find in London. It's just not the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, just doesn't quite compare. Did you come back for high school or just for college? When, when did you come back to the States? Yeah, we moved back to the States uh, a little bit before I went to high school. Went to high school and college in Indiana and then moved uh, moved to Chicago shortly after college. Okay. So I saw on LinkedIn, you you got a background, you studied journalism. Is that right? Correct. I did. Yes. All right. So you're like most of us who ended up doing channels and had nothing to do, I think, with our, with our degree. So I got to ask, how did you morph from journalism into the channel? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So I, my focus was on advertising and PR. And so I had this dream of, you know... Uh, living the the madman life and working for an ad agency and that just didn't happen um right out of college i got the opportunity to work for an nfl team uh in corporate partnerships of all places had nothing to do with my degree but i couldn't turn it down it seemed like um way too cool of an opportunity did that it was the colts yeah it was the colts did that and then decided i i wanted a change and i actually went to work for one of their sponsors and moved into a corporate marketing role, spent a couple years in corporate marketing at a various tech companies. And, uh, and from there, I decided I wanted to move into sales. And at that point, I was in Chicago, had the opportunity to work for an infrastructure as a service company in direct sales. And from there, got the opportunity to work to move into channel role. And I was an AE at the time. And like most AEs, I was like, I don't know what that means. What does the channel do? <laughs> what am i doing but got my start there and and have been in the channel ever since and i absolutely love it what do you think attracted you to the channel from being a direct rep to to moving over to the dark side (laughs) i think it's the relationships you know in direct sales you'd certainly build relationships with the customers and, and you might hold on to key accounts for six months to a year after you close a deal but then you then you move on you know the relationships I've made in the channel are now, you know, six plus years old. Uh, And they're people, the first people I met in the channel are still people I see at events today. and Still people I talk to regularly today. So I just, I love that you can create longstanding relationships and it, and it really kind of makes your opportunities endless. That's a pretty common thread, Allie, of people that I have on the show, that that was that's often one of the, the main reasons why people like the channel for just that, the, the, the chance. And I have channel relationships that have endured my entire career. And even you have gaps where you're not working directly and then they, they bounce back again. It's, it's a lot of fun. And getting to know them personally too, they're kind of like family. It is. I have a partner who uh, he added yoga to my calendar for next week. So hot yoga. So <laughs> they are. It's like friends and family all around. It's really quite unique. It is. That's great. Well, I've been invited to weddings. I've been invited sailing, biking. I don't think I've invited been invited to hot yoga yet. So, 
there's still time. And by the way, I saw you had a sailing podcast come out. I'm going to have to listen. That looks really interesting. Yeah. Do you like to sail? Have you ever been sailing? I grew up sailing on the Chesapeake with my grandfather. Oh, cool. But I cannot personally sail. I just, I like for other people to uh, take the reins and I will just enjoy the ride. <laughs> well, there's, there's plenty of time, Allie. There's plenty of time to, to learn. Yeah, that was a fun, uh, I did a podcast of my Bermuda sailing. So yeah, check it out. But I like adventure. I learned that you like adventure too. So share with us your big adventure story. Oh, yes. I think it was in 2014. I went to Switzerland and uh, we actually stayed in Grindelwald. But Switzerland is, I think, known as, or Interlaken in Switzerland is known as the adventure capital of the world. And uh, I was there with my brother, who historically was not a big thrill seeker, but somehow the two of us convinced each other to go skydiving over the Swiss Alps in Interlaken. So we woke up really early one morning, took the train from Grindelwald to Interlaken, sat through about a 30-second safety debrief, and then uh, took this tiny little plane up and uh, jumped out of it. Kind of a metaphor for your career of jumping into the channel. It really is. I like that. <laughs> that is awesome. And, and did you enjoy it? I did. Uh, it was about a 45-second free fall, uh, produced some pretty cool photos. I don't know if I would do it again, though. <laughs> It's like a little, it may have been a little too much for me. We'll see. Never say never though. So 45 second free fall. And then how long once the shoot opens, are you dropping? Uh, You know, I don't, I actually don't know. It didn't maybe like a couple minutes. The whole thing I think was no more than 15 minutes. The longest part of the entire experience is just getting up to the correct altitude, which I believe is like 14,000 feet. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. What's your next adventure? Do you have anything lined up? You know, I don't because of COVID putting a little damper on it all. I would love to see the Northern Lights at some point. So where would you go? Like Iceland? Where do you need to go? I think Finland is like Lapland. Finland. Oh, okay. It's kind of intriguing to me. So maybe there. That would be cool. Have you seen them? I have not. No. I need to get north on a sailboat. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the way to go. All right, Ali. Hey, this has been a lot of fun. Do you have any advice for folks? We talked a lot about teams and growing the teams and new people coming into the channel for you. Any advice for people who uh, are looking for a career in this crazy world of ours? I mean, I think just be a spun and try to understand, you know, what the channel is doing. If you're in our organization today and you're not in the channel, just like get to know some of the key stakeholders within the channel, understand how they operate and and what it takes to make them successful and just focus on, you know, building those relationships. You never know what opportunity could could come across your path. No, that that's great advice. I I always like to promote from within because you get people within the company who maybe they've been touching the channel from a different perspective and supporting it, but it's great to get those folks in on and bring them to the team. Certainly. Yeah, we've done a lot of that at Dialpad as well. Awesome. Allie, thank you again. And congratulations on this growth. I hope it continues. Fantastic work. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Take care. You too. Hey, guys, what a fun interview. Thank you, Allie, for sharing details on a super important topic, people. People, the folks on our channel teams, they are our most important asset. Another very important asset is our channel technology. And coincidentally, Dialpad launched a new partner portal earlier this year that was built on Allbound to enable easier deal registration, better tracking of opportunities, access to sales and marketing materials, 
as well as trainings and certifications. So be sure to check out Allbound. You can find them at allbound.com. For today's show notes, just go to channeljourneys.com forward slash CJ77. You can subscribe to the show while you're there. And please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Next episode is going to be very interesting. We're going to be talking about the impact the supply chain issues are having on the channel. Until then, have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends. And be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.